Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special award show episode of the PDH Pod. We are the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. Dave, the Alcadron Vader, did you know that as a presenter at the Yargles, you get a free swag bag? I did not know that. I will look forward to getting mine very soon. Um, yeah, comes with all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, the uh, uh, I I'm doing great. I'm a little tired because I sp- stayed up for like four and a half straight hours yesterday talking with Clay and Ryan, and yes, it was you did. that was amazing. Well and it's all on YouTube. You should watch it. Well, not not yep. four and a half hours. Three hours of it are on YouTube because that's what we recorded, and then we stopped the recording and we just kept talking for another like just kept talking <laughs> hour and a half. And then it That's was how like, it happens. And it was like midnight thirty, and I was like, I gotta go to bed and also pee. Like, <laughs> gotta do stuff, man. I got I got stuff to do with my bladder and my unconsciousness. <laughs> uh, but it was it was really good. You should check it out. Uh, it's over on their their Common Connoisseurs channel. Uh, it was it was, uh, it was an excellent time. Lots of lots of wise and interesting things were said. And he, you yeah. are the target audience for all of the wise and interesting things that I say. So you should. <laughs> For all the words. All of the words. They're for you. All right. Next up, dressed for the award show in his finest tuxedo t-shirt, is our resident PDH PhD, Liam. How's it going? Uh, it's going. It's going well. Uh, I'm excited to be back uh, recording this week. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, big plans for the holidays coming up, because this will pretty much be the last show before the actual big holiday. If sleeping counts. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've, I've, I, I mean, between school and work... Eating up, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, I am I'm ready to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm working Thursday because of the weather, the huge snowmageddon or whatever they call it every year is about to hit us, a bunch of snow and mm-hmm. ice, and then I am off for the rest of the year. So I shall be catching yeah. up on sleep as well, hopefully getting in some PDH games too. That'd be dope. Yes. So, yeah, that would definitely be dope. But before we talk about more dopeness, let's do some housekeeping. And first up, we'll shout out the patron. If you like the show, you want to support what we're doing, you want to become fans, become part of our family, if you will, head on over to patreon.com slash the PDH pod. Over there, patrons get access to the pre-show. Uh, we've missed the past couple pre-shows, but this one will definitely be up there. It was almost an hour worth of just, just casual conversation. People get heated minutes. up. Yeah, about 45 minutes. You hear Liam sort of threaten Morrow, I think. Uh <laughs> Put out the warning on Morrow not to do <laughs> not to do drastic things to the magic multiverse. But yeah, you get the uh, pre-show, which is usually just a short recording of us catching up for the week. You also get uh, access to the episodes before they go live. Usually, usually the night before, twelve to eighteen hours before it goes live on the uh, on the major platforms. Yeah, and then uh, you also get access to the PDH Pod Discord, where you can chat with us, you know, the crew, talk about your decks, all that good stuff. And today was a pretty good conversation. What you know, you missed um, some well-researched psychometrics and how the seven-point reliability doesn't coordinate with rating scales. I learned a lot. I was I was not expecting <laughs> that. I uh, I missed that whole <laughs> conversation. Was but like when when I, I I was I was busy. I wasn't checking the, the Discord much this afternoon. When I when I saw it and I went back and read the whole thing, I was like, yes, 
every part of this checks out because I right <laughs> I I spent a hot minute as a social scientist. I uh, I didn't finish that PhD. I dropped out, but I I gave it. I was in that program for eight years, and I oh, wow. I learned a lot of stuff and like everything they say about psychometrics and data collection and data, like how you know when you when you decide to use an instrument and you're gonna ask people to rate things on a scale from one to seven, like mm-hmm. one to seven is better than like one to a hundred, and also uh, it's still not very reliable because one person right <laughs> which might be another person seven, like one person one person's like I feel strongly about this agree <laughs> the other person's like yeah. i feel strongly about this seven and you're like oh seven. god there's no consistency here at all so yeah. um yeah yeah it was a good conversation great conversation and all that spawned from from the typical like um oh my deck my deck is a seven yeah. <laughs> all my of it deck spawned from the question of of how do you like the edh power scale rating yep that's it yeah i posted the picture i thought you know should we have one of these for p uh pdh and then <laughs> two hours later we are deep down the science rabbit hole <laughs> it's a good rabbit hole it to was fall awesome down. it was definitely a good rabbit hole so yeah besides um you know scientific le- lectures and, and deck techs and all that kind of good stuff uh, also check out the youtube where Lobert is over there kicking butt on some gameplay videos those are always awesome we usually get uh, about one every two weeks or so so go ahead and check those out and um that's it for my housekeeping. Liam, do you got anything for him? Uh, yeah, when it comes to uh, This Week in Magic, let me tell you guys. Yeah. I am so happy that there was nothing in Secret Layer News this week. Yay. There's my, absolutely nothing. My Secret Layer News is that I got an email that a Secret Layer I ordered shipped. Shut yeah, up, I did see a bunch of that on Twitter. <laughs> a lot of people celebrating that they got the, the tracking update email. That's that's the news. That's the Secret Layer News. <laughs> that is it. That's the news. There's I no like secret. that kind of news. In other news, there was no secret layer news this week. Yep. <laughs> and there was know, much there rejoicing. Was, there was some uh, discussion about whether or not we're going to mention the storm scale update. Uh, these happen quite irregularly and simultaneously all the time. I don't think there's anything in particular that we wanted to point out about the storm scale. Mm-hmm. Brad, was there? Nothing specific. Okay. No. Uh-uh. Um, I just didn't know because I don't follow it that closely, but I heard some buzz that there was a decent update to the storm scale. So I didn't know if it was something yeah, that I, the majority of people care about. I took a look at it uh, during the pre-show, and, and it, it does look like there was a, a decent amount of stuff added to it, but it doesn't look like there was many changes uh, to stuff already existing on the list. But yeah, and then what was the... Uh, oh, the... I'm not going to mention that. It's just the uh, pre-release update and whatnot. That's all competitive magic, and we don't do that here. Yeah. That, that's, insert, that, other people ins- talk competitive stuff. Insert your uh, uh, Black Panther meme here. We, we don't do that here. <laughs> we don't do that here. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, like Dave said earlier, if you want to check out his interview with the Common Connoisseurs, Ryan, uh, Papa Papa Ryan and Clay from the Tryhards, they have a really cool project going on, constantly uploading uh, content to YouTube. Go check it out. It was a great interview. Good job, Dave. Thank you. I had an enormous amount of fun with it. Yeah, it seemed like it. It was a good, good conversation. Yeah. Clay, Clay is on a quest. I, I think... I think uh, Clay, Clay, who's uh, an avid listener of our show, I'm sure, uh, he, he can correct Brand me. Brand new patron. I forgot, to, I forgot to shout him out. Clay, welcome to the patron family. Brand new patron. Yeah, part, part of our interview was me uh, revealing that there was a PDH Discord, a, a PDH pod Discord. And he's like, why am I not on it? And I was like, it's for patrons. <laughs> and he, he, he literally subscribed to the Patreon in the middle of the interview. <laughs> nice. And, yeah. It was, well done. It was beautiful. Well but yeah, uh, Clay, Clay's on this quest to... Um, I, I think that one of one of our very early PDH pod episodes, 
I was I was talking about the rules committee and like where it came from and what it's about. And I I mentioned you know that some members of the rules committee are very like high visibility, very you know active on the social media, mm-hmm. very forward facing. And then there are other members of the the RC that are very sort of like shadowy, cabalist, like secret kind of people, like hidden <laughs> hidden people. And uh, one of the names I dropped at this point I think was was Derek's who uh, like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who has since become very forward facing, which is incredible. The man, the man is a brilliant speaker. Uh, my yeah, well, he has a very good voice. He's like, yes. of of all the professional humans I know, he is my favorite. <laughs> and like he he just he crafts arguments so well. I love I love talking to him. I I love that he is uh he's become more more forward facing in in the the RC. But um yeah, so like I I kind of. Of 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 all the various like you know RC members that that don't interact a lot like his was the name I just sort of picked at random and that kind of started this like chain reaction where like he he came forward and then Clay was like we need to start an interview series where we're gonna like you know do face interviews video interviews with you and put them on YouTube so that we can like get the RC more introduced to the community and he's done he's oh, done cool, Derek cool, cool. he's done Scarecrow he's done uh, Ruffigan and then. Okay, was that when uh, Derek was last year, uh, last week or two weeks ago? He did the interview with Ryan about elves, PDH elves. Was that part of that kind of that series? I guess. No, I think so. Or was that just com- like completely different? N- now, having having sort of like broken the ice on like Derek is now a a very active like person who does a lot of things. Like it, having having done that, Derek has since appeared on a handful of videos with Ryan to to make decks and craft decks and do mm, like okay, deck design, okay. deck text, that sort of thing. But no, the, this was originally it was uh, an interview series that Clay was doing, where Clay's like interviewing RC members to try and increase their visibility uh, and like get them get them and their opinions and their contributions to this more out in the world, so that it feels less like. PDH is sort of governed by this shadowy cabal of serious yeah, figures right. that that are inscrutable and never answer for their decisions. So <laughs> it's a I, which is a great interview series. Like I think it's going really well. And then like he got he's kind of going down the list of the RC members and he got to me and he was like, "This is among the most like of of all the of all the RC members that need additional publicity. Like you are not on this list. <laughs> like so there's <laughs> there's nothing I'm going to introduce you to. Let's just get drunk and hang out." And then we did that for three hours, and you could watch us. <laughs> yep, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. It was very good. Awesome. That was a very good, good, good show. And I think that's a hell of a project that Clay's doing. Yeah, I I'm really looking forward to who he gets on there next. We shall we shall see. Yeah, we shall see. Keeps it pretty close to the chest because I had no idea until I think I found out last night. Yeah, and we're we we gotta we gotta get Clay on the show. Like we've had we've had a lot of other like really high profile people on, on our show and like Clay's mm-hmm. like conspicuously absent. We, uh, we got to figure out, we got to coordinate with him, figure out what, what yeah, we're bringing him on for out. and, uh, and then just talk about him, yep, talk absolutely. about it with him. Sounds good to me. All right. I think with that out of the way, we can move on to the main topic. And this is something that we sort of collectively as a podcast came up with the idea for this show a while ago and thought that, you know, It'd be a good idea to put it out towards the end of the year, at least before Christmas, that way over break, you know, you have something to listen to, that sort of thing. And it's not like super deck tech heavy, super like technical, that sort of thing. So you're not, you know, the last thing we want to do is to like distract you from the holidays, you know, with with PDH technical decks and, and gameplay and, and breakdown and all this kind of stuff. So we just wanted to do a fun episode. And basically, we're doing an award show for 2022. This year was an enormous year for the format. So we decided to kind of 
compile the best of the best here for you this evening. We picked a variety of categories and some of them and, and some very worthy nominees to go in those categories. And we're just going to sort of run down the list. We're going to give arguments for each nominee. And then uh, honestly, we don't know who's going to win. I yeah. guess we'll find that out on the show. <laughs> we, we have all our nominations written down in the show notes, but we we have made no decisions. We are going to be right. <laughs> we are going to be making as, these as decisions live as live can get live on air using the only metric that we know uh screaming matches yes yeah like adult people <laughs> like adult decision makers that's right that's right yeah and to the winner goes the ultimate prize of the yargle mm-hmm. what do you think about the yargle have we have we talked about the the, the yargle pieces that I, got made oh i guess we have not we need to no. mention those absolutely i feel like dave should mention them okay let me yep. I'm trying to remember the the exact name of the. I, now I'm now I'm scrolling through two hours of Likert scale. Who who did Scooby this? Drew. Scooby. It's, okay, Scooby Drew. Scooby, Scooby Drew, Drew has a friend that owes him favors and owns a 3D printer, and he, and he has created a number of Yargle miniatures that are going to serve as as our Yargle awards. So we we have real physical. Yargle statuettes for awards. I don't know. Yep. I don't know how we're going to give them to cards. Maybe we just <laughs> put it put it on top of a card, and and that's sure it. that uh, works. And uh, Liam has also created photoshopped some golden yargles. They're beautiful. They're amazing. You can check them out on uh, Twitter and Reddit. Go on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, they were kind of like our uh, uh, infographic, if you will, for this episode. Yeah. I say that's what these various cards and decks and people will be winning. Yeah, I I will be uh on Saturday. So the episode comes out on Friday, 24 hours after the episode goes live. I'm going to be uh tweeting out more photoshopped images of uh the golden yuggles and the winners. Oh, amazing. Perfect. Yeah. So, I think that is a perfect thing you to can happen. You look forward to that. So make sure you don't want to spoil yourself. Make sure that you are actively listening to this episode right now. Less than less less than twenty four hours after it, it goes live. It, I might be nice. Yep. It might be like seventy two hours. I might wait till after Christmas. <laughs> I might. I don't know. It's a pretty good know. Christmas gift. Depends how excited I get. I might like. I might like schedule the tweets to go live on Christmas Day. I don't know. Ooh, we'll that is very professional of you. Maybe I don't know because the the other part is like you know if 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 we put this episode out on like the twenty third, how many people are going to see it two days before Christmas? That's a good point. Well, a lot of people are on the road traveling. They need stuff the to listen flip side, to. The flip side is even if they don't get the chance to listen to it, they're going to want to know the answers. That's right? true. That is a good point. And tweets are a lot easier to read. The best part about this podcast. is that the audience has has now been listening to this podcast for 16 minutes <laughs> and has gotten to the part where we're discussing when are they going to listen to it. So, uh, listeners. It's a very meta conversation. Pause, pause the podcast. Tweet, tweet at the pauper pdh pod and uh <laughs> let us let us know what time it is that you're hearing this right now it's for science it is for science we need we need those we need that data okay and you need to tag brad in it but do not tag me in it <laughs> i look forward to it actually feel free to tag me i don't care all right what do you think we get into the actual main topic let's do it all right first up in the 2022 yargles the category is best new commander. Who wants to go first? I think I should go first because I'm the least enthusiastic about this option and I want to just get it out of the way. Go for um, it. I think 
the best new commander has to, in terms of raw power has to be Abdel Adrian Garayan's Ward. This is the 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 white choose a background five drop four four lets you exile any number of your permanents on ETB, so you can do crazy flicker stuff. Gives you that many one one tokens, so you can do crazy go wide stuff, and then it puts all the exile things back into play when it leaves, so you can keep doing crazy flicker stuff. This has completely rocked the competitive scene. People have built competitive versions of this deck with every possible background. Yeah, I think I think the natural choice is blue, but like you can you can go red into arist or sorry you can go black into aristocrats. You can go blue hard into flicker combo. You can go red into aggro and burn with uh, the the street urchin. So you can chuck these little soldiers that you're creating at people. You can you can go black with master chef or green with master chef and just have your tokens come in with counters on them. And just be oh, that's gross. Yeah, it, like everything about this is nonsense. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's really powerful. I'm also like kind of hoping that it loses because like I, I was I was saying this exact same thing last night with the with the tryhards. This card was released on June 10th, mm-hmm. and by June 12th, I was sick of it. Like I <laughs> I am already I I've I've been over this card for months, and it keeps happening at me. <laughs> And it I'm does. ready for it to stop. So, uh, Brad, tell me, tell me who you think should win the best new commander, Yargle. All right, best new commander, Yargle prize. My choice goes to Commander Liara Portier. When this was spoiled, I thought, cool, we have a Boros commander. Oh, but it doesn't have choose a background like all the other cool commanders do. And then I thought, oh, okay, cool. Well, it's Boros. That's fine. It's aggro. And then I got to reading it. Whenever you attack spells you cast from exile, cost X less, where X is the number of players being attacked. Exile top X of your library. You can play those cards. That's a lot of words for an aggro player to read. So I didn't really give it much thought. I didn't even brew a deck around Liara for a while, actually. Uh, Abigail, common commander, had a deck for her the day she was spoiled. It was beautiful. And I thought, okay, cool. I'll just, this will be one of those commanders that I'll just wait until I play against it to see how other brewers, other players are going to play this sort of deck. But to me, it was just straight aggro, Boros aggro, pretty simple. The problem is, is it's not that simple at all. Liara is (laughs) a crazy explosive commander that is just nonstop. It has a nice mix of value and aggression at the same time. You don't often get that those two things combined, but Liara does that in spades. Like you're constantly quote unquote drawing cards as you're you're rewarded for attacking other players. So you're attacking, you're you're drawing cards, you're attacking, you're drawing cards, you're attacking, you're drawing cards. And not only that, you're getting paid off with a mana reduction in the spells that you cast. So naturally what ended up happening with Liara and um, Puzzlebox actually got a Liara deck on the DDB, the competitive database. She was basically designed, it seems, for affinity. You know, when you're already getting the mana discount for your creatures with affinity, and then on top of that, they cost X less to cast. I mean, you're just dropping, you know, flyers, sky scanners, mirror enforcers, all this crazy stuff every turn for free every turn and you're not empty handed. If you're attacking, you're never going to be empty handed basically. So it's just, it's the perfect combination of aggression and value 
and power. Now, the only thing I will say is that because Liara is so powerful, she does get targeted early and often. I've seen people pay 13 mana to get her on the battlefield. It happens. And then two, later in the game when you're down to 1v1, you know, one opponent, the value's not so much there as it was in the early to mid game, but it's still there a little bit. So I can see sort of the downside to her, but because she is so explosive, I've seen decks built for her that take out two players at once. And then her battlefield is so stocked that it doesn't matter that she's not getting that value in the final turns of the game. So that's my choice for the best new commander of 2022, the most powerful, the fastest, the most uh, value-driven commander. What do you think? The thing I really like about Liara is that she's she's rewarding you with this card advantage and this discount, but mm-hmm. it, it comes in the form of you have to attack everyone for that. And like everyone all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like historically, you'll you'll attack into a stocked board just to get the trigger. Right. And (laughs) so like, because you're doing that, you're attacking into a stocked board, like you're going to lose some attackers. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people are going to keep up blockers and they're going to shut you down. And it's like, you have to pay for it, which I think is really cool design space to be playing Mm -hmm. around in. Also, like we used to call this the, uh, the Kozak split named after some of the PDH pals, because four, four or five years ago, attacking multiple different players at once was widely considered to be the idiot maneuver. Like you should be focused. <laughs> like you, when you attack three players at once, you're exposing yourself to three times as many blockers and you're like, you're, you're diluting your damage out enormously. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a pals maneuver. It's like a, we're, we're goofing around. We're having fun. Like this, we know this this isn't the correct play, but we're just like, we're, we're messing around. Like that Liara forces you into this to get the the benefit i think is hilarious and awesome it's such cool design space and then like you said when you kill a player like she loses a lot of effectiveness so sure very cool card in really fascinating design space absolutely i think she was overshadowed by all the backgrounds and uh-huh. the dragons and all the splashy stuff uh-huh, uh-huh. that is my pick what do you got for us liam yeah uh liam has probably the best commander out of all three uh wilson wilson Refined Grizzly. Wilson. Okay. The Refined Grizzly. Uh, Wilson is just perfection incarnate uh, when it comes to commanders. Uh, You know, can't be counted. He's got three amazing keywords. He's got protection. He's got choose a background. Uh, For those who build modular decks where, you know, you have a 50 card deck built around a commander and then 50 card deck built around a bunch of backgrounds, uh, Wilson is by far the best one you could build this with. Uh, and yeah, I just chose Wilson because he's a humble little bear warrior. A humble little bear warrior that will kick your butt. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson will put in work, that's for sure. Yes, it will. He will put in a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. All right, now that we got the nominees, who are we picking for the best new commander of 2022? I vote for not Abdel. <laughs> just because you're <laughs> sick of him? <laughs> I'm so sick of Abdel. Get out of here. So for a lot of these categories, I tried to be non-subjective. Like, Wilson is is by far, like, my favorite commander from this mm-hmm. year. I don't know that he is objectively the best. Um, but for a lot of the other categories, I tried to be very, very objective and less subjective. And I hate to break your heart, Dave, but I think it might just be Abdel. Like, I think Abdel is no! just the best new commander. Oh. I think it is too. Uh, I think, I, you know, 
<laughs> I have not heard any stories about Commander Liara Portier or Portier taking down EDH tables. Yeah, Abdel yeah. will do that. <laughs> I think it's just uh, Abdel Adrian. I think Korean that's Wood. it. Congratulations, I... Abdel! Your Yargle is in the mail. I regret everything. <laughs> hey, you, was... p- you picked a winner. Uh, all right, <laughs> I'll take it. All right, who wants to present the next category? Yeah, I'll go ahead and take this one. Uh, so the next category is the best new common. Uh, so as with all of our categories, this is going to be a card originally printed in 2022, unless stated otherwise. Uh, and so of the best new comms in 2022, I th- I think that's Tamiyo's safekeeping. You know, I there were a couple of cards I wanted to pick from uh, Brothers War or from Jumpstart, but I just I don't think those cards have had enough time to marinate yet. Uh, so I think it's just going to be unfortunate that the, they were passed over by me uh, personally. But seeing what Tamiyo's safekeeping has done to the format, it, it it's kind of almost like the the same overarching effect that happened when people realized heroic intervention was not supposed to be a a bulk rare. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, Tamiyo's safekeeping is no heroic intervention. It doesn't protect your whole board, but it does protect one thing. And if that one thing is your combo piece or your commander or something very important you need to keep in play, Tamiyo's safekeeping does that. And while safekeeping is not a card that I have had the chance to play a lot of, because green is not something I play a lot of, that when I have played it, I've seen it put in work. Uh, I've seen other people put some work with it, uh, do some work with it. I, I think it's Tamiyo's safekeeping. Like, it's just so, the, the the ubiquity of the card is is there. That is totally fair. What about you, Dave? What do you think? I, I, I love safekeeping. I think that the fact that it targets any permanent is colossal like this this can protect your lands if they're getting Mm -hmm. cleansing wildfire it can protect like your artifacts uh you you shouldn't ever make this play but it can protect your oubliette uh, if someone's (laughs) trying to yeah um i feel like i think i think i think i think safekeeping is a house but uh i think there is a card that is less pound for pound impactful but more universal and that card is, I think, Tokasia's Dig Site from Brothers War. This is a land that comes in untapped, taps for a colorless mana, and for three and tap it, you can surveil one. So, uh, an enormous number of the utility lands that we get in PDH, you have to pay for. Like, mm-hmm. they come in tapped and then they don't do much, or like, you know, they, they, they do a thing, but you have to pay for it severely. Like, this thing, it comes in untapped. It doesn't slow you down. You don't have to spend a turn playing it. The only drawback here is that you, you're running one less colored source of mana. Sure. So, like, if you if you have a deck that's really colored mana intensive, like Okame Ranger, has no generic mana in her cost, like, you probably don't run Tokasia's Dig Site. If you have any amount of play at all in your mana base in terms of what needing to produce colored mana... I think Tokasia's Dig Site is a slam dunk because it costs you so little and the the potential payoffs are enormous. Late game, your hand is getting low, you need to dig for an answer, this will just surveil one every turn. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a baby bonders ornament that doesn't take up a card slot in your deck. It just takes up a land slot, which is enormous. Yeah, it, it really is. Like you said, that late game value cannot be understated. Like it's almost part of your routine it's untap upkeep surveil draw mm-hmm. like 
and that comes in enormously handy late game. No, you know, I have it in a few decks and each, I think one, one game I had it out early and I didn't use it till turn 10 or 11. And one, uh, one game with a different deck, I didn't draw it until like turn 10, 12, something like that. And it was unbelievable how much value, mm-hmm. how far, like, like the card says, how far I was able to dig into my deck to find, um, I don't know if I found any quote unquote answers. I didn't win the game off of it, but it kept me alive. It kept me, it, it found me gas. It found me interaction It found me more creatures, that sort of thing. Like I was throwing away lands that I didn't need like every turn almost. Yes. That's, that's the value. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like and when you, when you need to draw impact cards, it will make sure that you're not drawing the dead cards, mm-hmm. which is fantastic and granted you know you're you're quote-unquote losing four mana because you got to tap this as well as three other lands to activate it but if you're in if you're in the later turns four mana is nothing (laughs) nothing nothing (laughs) if you have other things to do with your mana do those things sure like it's you're you're not you're not gonna waste this card by not using its surveillability it's still a land like it's doing it's still a land right (laughs) it's when you when you run out of other things to do with your mana this is a free mana sink that will that will fix your top deck forever. Yep. What do you got for us, Brad? What do you t- tell us about your uh, your best new common? All right. Well, I am similar to the alley that Liam was walking down, except I don't let things marinate. Mine comes straight from Brothers War. It's gay as a gift. It's similar to Tamio's safekeeping in that it is a green instant that will protect. A creature you control, not a permanent, uh, you know, I'll concede that it does not target any permanent you control, but it's basically a two mana instant with every word on it. You get a count plus one plus one <laughs> counter, you get reach, trample, hexproof, indestructible. Like this card has saved not only my butt, it has saved my commanders from losing in combat, from direct damage spells, removal spells, that sort of thing. I don't know that it's a Tamiyo safekeeping. But it is damn close. Like it is, if I don't have a safekeeping on hand, this is going in the slot, and I don't feel bad about it one bit. Yeah, it's just instant speed, green value that, like, was a, you know, a semi auto include the day it was spoiled. So I don't have yeah. a lot to yeah, say on I mean, gift because 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 uh, Liam took most of the good words with safekeeping, <laughs> and he was right because they they sort of do the same thing. But I'm I'm not sure Gay's gift is nearly what safekeeping is but it is darn good i think that if i still had my uh my mobu plus one counter deck together i would probably replace safekeeping with gift because sure, even though like heard bailoff cares about the, the even though it is sort of thing. yeah even though it is the one one mana uh my my commander would have cared about the counters and honestly the the reach cannot be understated how important that that is yeah the reach is huge i think i've used gay as gift more defensively than i have ever offensive like the trample yeah. has never come into play it's always the indestructible or the hex proof <laughs> or what have you i will be completely honest i i think that objectively safekeeping is a better card i like gift a lot more because I am a berserk to your aggro enthusiast and like <laughs> yes. i just I, that could be i it. want that, that, that trample <laughs> yeah I need like I don't I don't care about the rest. I just want indestructible hexproof trample. Like that's what I'm here yeah, for. Yeah, those ones always catch and my a, eye too. Like there was one in and um, a Strixhaven. There was like big play or something. Green mana instant target creature gets uh, a trample yeah. or whatever. I'm like, ooh, and then you draw. play that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good word. I I I just love that it's a like all of the other 
all the other versions of safekeeping, like you know, shelter, blacksmith skill, all of these, all of these cards, snakeskin, um, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, they they feel very, they feel to me exclusively defensive. That's fair. I I I am overjoyed to have a a card that I can put into that slot that also gets really aggressive. Sure. Yeah, for one extra mana, you can do defense or offense. Yeah. And again, I'm like. In in a competitive deck, if I'm if I have to choose between the two, it's got to be safekeeping. Sure. The, the, the mana difference, mm-hmm. the mana difference, and the target any permanent is is huge in the competitive setting. But like for for most of my decks, uh, I I value the aggression of Gaia's gift much more than the utility of the safekeeping. And I don't care about two life. Two life is nothing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I I uh, my my vote here is for Gaia's gift. I think. Ooh. What do you think, Liam? Who do you want to get the Yargle? I don't know. I think all three of these are, are, are good picks, but... They're so good. I, if it were up I, to me, and you just gave me this list, and I didn't know who created the list, and I didn't listen to any arguments, and you just told me to pick one of, the, one of these three cards, it would probably be Tamiyo Safekeeping for me. It's that target any permanent that's it really just puts it up a notch. For me, it's not even the target any permanent. It's, it, it really is the, I know what Safekeeping does... And Dig Sight and Gift are just too new in my head to give them the same weight that I can mentally give to safekeeping. However, I think that if I go by that reasoning now, I have to go by that reasoning for the rest of the episode. And that's not something I really want to do. So (laughs) I think I am going to swap over to Gaia's Gift. Just because I like... I, I I hadn't considered the fact that it could be used defensively or offensively, and that's a, that's mm-hmm. a really good point that uh, Dave made that I I like. Yep, both sides of the coin there. All right, I think we got a winner, huh? Yeah, what's yep. our winner? All right, sounds like Gay's gift is the winner. Hooray! Your Yargle is in the mail. <laughs> I'd like to know right, where, my... Dave, where uh, Brad's mailing all these Yargles to. <laughs> Mail them to cards. <laughs> All right, I think we get to move on to the next category. What do you think? Is it is it my turn to introduce the category? I think it is. Awesome. I am I'm extremely pleased now, ladies and gentlemen, to introduce the category Worst New Commander. The commander that you are the most angry at, the most disappointed with, the most enraged about the existence of. Uh I would love to hear from brad about this one tell us tell us the commander that you like the least the least i think when we promoted this show the very first day everyone knew what my answer was gonna be (laughs) but i think for the sake of the show i'll have to repeat it my absolute worst commander worst new commander of 2022 is freaking stupid saravok deathbringer and his stupid freaking face. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him on so many different levels. Like, <laughs> he has to be your commander. We're not in a format where he can just be in the 99. So you have to build a deck around him. But the problem is, is there's like, at common even, there's like literally 1.5 million ways that players can have permanents leave the battlefield on their turn. He is extremely easy to play around, and he makes you, the Saravok player, the Saravok pilot, 
two things. He makes you, or yeah, he makes you a political piece between other players while also making you an instant arch enemy of the table at the same time. It is unreal how players will pit Saravak against each other while also turning him around on you. He's unplayable. And I can't, I can't stress that enough that I absolutely hate his stupid freaking face. And it's such good art that I'm sad that it's on that card. That's all. Thank you for that. I have nothing to add. That was uh, as eloquent as it was passionate. Tell see, us, tell us what you think, Liam. Yeah, who, who, have you, who have you brought for us? So, see, I find it funny that Servak is Brad's choice because I'm still trying to wrap my head around what this thing does uh, six months later, um, <laughs> and the the answer is apparently nothing. Um, but when it comes yeah. to the, when it comes to my commander, I think mine is the worst. Not because of any amount of unplayability, because don't get me wrong, there were some unplayable commanders out there I could have chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose it more because it was disappointing. Mine is Tatiova, Steward of Tides, uh, the the 2021, the Dominaria United Tatiova, because I, I'm not going to go into the whole thing that we covered in the Dominaria United set review, but it this commander, it's very easy to fold the deck in half. Um, it is it is very easy for your opponents to just knock out half of your lands, even yeah. in a Simic ramp deck that hurts. You know, you you your Simic ramp deck, you go from twenty lands to ten to five, and it it <laughs> it's <laughs> oh geez. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's not a great commander. And while we definitely didn't need, and I definitely didn't want another twenty eighteen Tatiova, this one is a really really disappointing addition to the Tatiova line and I just I have to say it's the worst new commando because it's just disappointing to look at and read every time that's kind of where I'm at with it too I feel like if it was if it had any other name other than Tatiova I wouldn't have been as disappointed with it exactly I think had they like literally created any any name any new legend like they do with half the legends these days Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have given this card a second look. This would not be my worst pick. In fact, my worst pick would probably be what Dave's about to share. Um, <laughs> but it really is. I thought about it. I'm like, I just, this Tatiova just disappoints me every time I think about it. Yeah. So I just, I have to roll with it. It's, it's just disappointing. That is fair. So far, there's been a lot of disappointment in this category. Dave, are you <laughs> disappointed in your, uh, your nominee? I am profoundly disappointed in my nominee. <laughs> I, my nominee has text. The text box on this card is something that I've been waiting for at Uncommon for years. Ooh. Because I am, <laughs> I've mentioned before, I am an egregious and unrepentant slut for madness. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there's an Uncommon record. card with the text that says, whenever you discard a card, you may exile it from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. That sounds this so gives good. This gives everything madness. That sounds so good. It, sounds it is so real good. good, but it's <laughs> colorless. <laughs> it's colorless, and colorless just does. I've thought about it. It's I've thought so hard about it. Colorless has like four discard engines. Uh-huh. And we There's have like Father no- Tosser. <laughs> okay colorless has four playable discard engines (laughs) and fodder tosser i guess so five if you're desperate and i'm 
I'm pretty desperate, but I'm not that desperate. If this card had a color, any color, uh-huh. I would be overjoyed with this card. Like, I... There's there's a red card from Strixhaven. It's a rare. It's called Conspiracy Theorist, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it has Very almost good. the same text. And it's a it's a rare. It also it also loots on attack, so it, it it is its own discard engine. Monster of a card. Impossible to downshift. It's way too powerful. But you could have taken away the looting. You could have given me containment construct with a color. Sure. Just make it make it black. Make it red. Make it make it a madness color. Just give me something. And and then anything. Then I would I would have looting, I would have self discard effects, I would have cards with channel, I would have <laughs> s- anything that cycles. <sighs> but I have containment construct instead, and I'm deeply mad about it. Hey, you could yeah. put ash barons in this. I could <laughs> put ash barons in this. Yeah. I've thought about that too. Give me give me anything that transmutes. Oh. Give me. Give me anything. I'm so... <sighs> Put this text on a card with a color, please, wizards. <laughs> anyway, that's, right. uh, that's that's the end of my rant. Who gets the uh, disappointed Yargle Award for this one? I personally... I have to go with Dave. I have to go with the Construct. Like, sure, Saravak is utterly depressing and very hard to play with, but if you're going for a PDH Pals type meta, or something completely wacky. Sure. Saravok's hilarious if you don't ever want to win or if you don't ever want to do anything. <laughs> but in the framework of the PDH format, containment construct is literally unplayable. Yeah. I I think I can I can agree to that. As as disappointing as the new tattoo. But it has might be. so many good words on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean I even said like <sighs> like had the had the Simic Dominator United Legend been called literally anything but Tatiova, the containment construct was pretty high on my list for for worst commanders because of like Dave said, it's it's text I want to see, but it just doesn't have a color and that really hurts. Ugh, the text is so good. It is. I'll I'll be completely honest. I really like Saravak, and I I kind I kind of like Tetiova as well. I think I think that both of those commanders are really entertaining. No, I have played it's... against the new Tetiova, and it was it was a little more impressive than I expected it to be. But then again, it's no original Tetiova. Yeah. Oh, no, nothing is. So, <sighs> stupid Saravak. All right. Well, containment construct. Congratulations. You get the the sad Yargle. It's in the mail. <laughs> the saddest of Yargles. The saddest of Yargles. I don't know about y'all, right. but this is, this is the most entertaining episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess we're back around to me. Is that is it my category? Yep. All right, this time we have the most surprising card. Not necessarily uncommon, not necessarily common. Just whatever card that came out that was printed new this year. It just sort of caught us off guard, or we've seen it played a few times, and we were like, holy cow, I did not expect this card to do that. Um, I'll go ahead and start off, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for mm-hmm. it. My card probably is not a surprise to people, but it may be. I actually chose Candlekeep Sage. The the two in a blue background, it's a common, so it goes in your 99. It's not even, they didn't even, they did, didn't even put it at uncommon power level. <laughs> Commander creatures you own have, when this creature enters or leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. Like, during set reviews, listening to different shows, even even we talked about it, 
everyone knew this card was going to be good. Like, it's blue, and it has the words draw a card on it, and it's an enchantment, so it's hard to deal with. We knew it was going to be good. But this, as a common in the 99, this card completely warps games. Like, it is hard to deal with, and when you pair it with an ETB commander, a commander that does anything on ETB, it, it just gets absolutely wild. So... My pick is probably not a huge surprise, but I was surprised at not necessarily the power level, but how much it affects the entire table. It's not just like this little value engine that helps you dig and draw cards and play your cards and do the thing. Like It affects what everyone else is doing because you have this one enchantment on the board. That's why it's surprised to me, and Candlekeep Sage is my pick. I like it. The uh, the first time I ever tried to cast a Candlekeep Sage, I was in a uh, I was in a game in the Tryhards meta. I was running Marshcrock, and I was just deeply badly mana screwed. Mm -hmm. I was I was stuck on three the whole game, and I uh, I I drew Candlekeep Sage. I had nothing else in my hand for three, and I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'll cast a Candlekeep Sage, and someone counterspelled it, <laughs> and I and I just about rage quit. I was like, I don't have the fourth like. You think this is going to draw me cards? Not until I get the fourth mana. Like, this does nothing. <laughs> and I I spent the whole game not casting my commander. My commander never hit play once. Oh, no. <laughs> and on reflection, I still think countering Candlekeep Sage was the right call. Like, it probably was. Yeah. It right? probably like, was. Because if it had landed and then I had drawn the land, like, suddenly my commander is gasoline and I run away with the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and it's it's hard to deal with otherwise. Like, it's mm -hmm. not a card that you can like. Because even if they are, even if they are packing enchantment hate, sometimes there's just more important enchantments that they have to target. Yeah. So, and this thing sticks yeah. around. You know, I know we joke about uh, Bear's Companion, and it's kind of like a meme deck or whatever. But you know, every time I play, like I, I have built Bear's Companion. It's similar to Lobert's deck with my little twist on it. But every time Lobert plays it, he gets Candlekeep Sage out. He starts flickering Bear's Companion, so he's drawing, you know, two plus cards a turn, making a bear every turn. Like, it gets out of control real fast. Oh, yeah. So, it's just card advantage city. When, you're, when your flicker spell suddenly reads, you know, two, two mana instant planar incision, draw two cards, make a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> like, exactly, that's, exactly. That's kind of a berserk two mana instant. So, yeah, Candlekeep Sage uh, definitely... Definitely got chops as a surprising card. Yep. I'm I'm on board with that. All right, Liam, what do you got for us? Yeah, uh, so my most surprising card is actually uh, Embiggen. So Embiggen okay. is the green sorcery, I believe might be an instant, that says until end of turn, uh, target non-brush rag creature gets plus one, plus one for each uh, card type, subtype, and super type that it has. Uh, so non-brush rag because brush rag is a meme and they're trying to prevent this from going off with changelings yep i think that embiggen is just it surprised me because the infinity set i was expecting to be awful i was expecting i mean y'all know my opinion on this and i think it is awful for for a, a variety of reasons but i was not expecting anything at the pauper rarity to be remotely playable in the format. Uh, yeah, I was that's a good call. I was surprised with one card that was deemed playable-ish in 60 card pauper, which was in Biggin, 
uh, and one card that was deemed by myself uh, playable in the PDH format, which was Six-Sided Die. <laughs> I chose Embiggen over Six-Sided Die because I think it's it's more recognized that Embiggen is playable in 60-card and in PDH, uh, more so than Six-Sided Die is, no matter how much I may like that card. Uh, so I think the most surprising card is Embiggen, uh, not necessarily because of any specific effect that it does, but just because there was a playable card out of a set that is widely regarded as eh. <laughs> Does it make sense? That's a fair argument, yeah. Like, That's a like, fair argument. It comes out of a set that everyone expects to be bad, slash uh-huh. thinks that everyone thinks is bad. Um, so, And then it can actually do work. And the card can actually do something. Uh, yeah. So I think it is, it is worth noting uh, here, which is why I chose it. I think it's an excellent choice. I do too. I was, I, I was, I was also surprised by Embiggen. Uh, it's a it's a very cool card. It's really interesting design. Yeah, I, I like when I when I first saw the words non brusher, I was like, okay, that's that's just them being idiots. And then I thought about it for for another two seconds, and I was like, oh, that's actually brilliant. Yeah, that's very so, good. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I and I, I I love that they could have chosen any creature type. Yeah. To to turn off changelings, and they just chose brushwags like that. Yeah. I think that's beautiful, and uh, and I, I I think it will see some play in some decks. I uh, I'm excited about it. All right, Dave, what do you got for us? I chose a card that surprised me from a story and lore perspective, as much as it surprised me from a mechanics perspective. And that card is Tamio's Completion. In the in terms of the story, I was deeply shocked when I learned that Tamio was getting completed. Tamio is like I she's never been my favorite planeswalker, but like I I kind of don't like b- the blue things she does. But uh in ter- like her her lore, her role in the lore and the story and the the story circle with the Johnny, she's like a mother to 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 this, you know, plethora of orth- orphans that she takes care of. Like all of that seemed really fascinating and for wizards to say like she's a phyrexian zombie now she's lost all her free will she's just she's a you know she's a tool like that it honestly blew me away like war of the spark showed up like uh this is this is when the planeswalkers are all in danger and they killed the grand total like two or three and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, they're not taking this seriously. Like they're 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 doing that thing where authors protect their intellectual property because they don't want to damage their favorite characters. Like then they then they just shanked Tamio, and I was I was blown away. Uh, mechanically, we have a four mana blue enchantment with flash that will just turn off any permanent. This this will um you know it turn turns off creatures. It taps them and they don't untap. They lose all their abilities. Turns off equipment. Turns off auras, turns off lands. I think you can. Oh no, artifact creature or planeswalker. Yep. So, oh, sorry, it doesn't. So it doesn't turn off. I I misread it. Doesn't turn off enchantments. You cannot target an oubliette or an aura with this. But <laughs> artifact creature or planeswalker uh, turns off a lot of things. I saw someone use this on someone's Felden's cane once. <laughs> like wow. Just yeah. I mean the the. He was playing against a Conrad deck, and he knew that if if the guy had Felden's Cane and Conrad at the same time, he wasn't get an op- he he wouldn't get an opportunity to time his completion Conrad 
before the the cane went off. Mm-hmm. And so he yeah he he just murked Felden's cane, and I was like, that's actually brilliant. This card is a lot more versatile than I think it like originally reads, and its ability to just turn off any number of different threats seems kind of great. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Like when you sort of just like glaze over the text box, you're like, oh yeah, okay, we we've got plenty of plenty of enchantments to do that and holy cow it's four mana i'm not gonna play that but then when you actually do play with it you're like holy cow this is very strong it's very versatile it has flash like we we, we have a lot of enchantments to tap things down like mm-hmm. none of them have flash yeah exactly and kudos to tamio for getting in uh, two categories <laughs> right right <laughs> I, yeah top, the safekeeping and the completion back uh-huh. to back i think is like because that, that's the other thing that i was like in the story, like we we got this Tamio safekeeping card, and it was like, okay, like the 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 MacGuffin is with Tamio, and it's safe now. And I was like, oh, all right, I can relax, like it's good. And it's like, ah, she was a sleeper agent the whole time. She's Phyrexian. She's a bad guy. Oh no! I was like, what? <laughs> it it was it was I was very shocked by the plot twist there. I don't know if that counts for most surprising card, but it's that was that was my take. That's that's where I went with it. Well, what does count for the most surprising? Who's getting this Yargle? For for me, it's for me, it's between Imbigan and Tamios. Okay, okay, I, okay. I, but, I don't know. Candle, Candlekeep is also like, but I I don't think Candlekeep is truly a surprising. It doesn't have any surprise factor. Yeah, the card itself. The the big surprise for Candlekeep is for for me the big surprise for Candlekeep is that we as a rules committee we were making decisions about whether or not the commons were going to be legal in the command zone before we knew what the blue one was. Oh, and we made that decision, <laughs> and then they spoiled the blue one, and it was the best one, and everyone was like, "I did not see that coming." Yep. So like that's that's the big surprise for me for candlekeep is that the common blue background is just leagues better that's what i'm saying yeah all three of the uncommons like that blew my mind yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so like yeah candle candlekeep as a surprising thing has has legs this this could this could win it i i'm gonna i might abstain from this one i'll think i i I think all three of these cards are equally surprising in different ways so i'm gonna leave this one up to (laughs) well i i agree to you all three of them are very surprising i I can't speak for Imbigan other than, like Liam said, it was very surprising that we got a card of that caliber from what we perceived to be a forgettable set. Yeah, no, no, no. It was very surprising that we got a playable – not even a card yeah. of that caliber. A, a playable card out of that set. Because, <laughs> But to be fair, every, I have not yet cast Imbigan, so I don't, I, I, I don't have a feel for it. Every other card in that set deals with stickers or attractions. Yep, it sure does. <laughs> like it's – all right, so Dave's abstaining. Brad, what are you picking? Oh, I'm going to have to go with completion. I, I don't think Candlekeep as a card is all that surprising. The, the The surprise factor of Candlekeep was what it did to the format around it. The surprise factor was that it was a common. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, was, mm. that was pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to go with completion. What do you think? I'm going to go with completion. Ah, see, this is awful because I've never played completion and I've never seen it played. It's a good one. It's one of those that it it when reads you finally like it's play a good it, you're card. like why haven't why why haven't I played this before? It's a good one. Dave, do you have this in your Sphinx deck? E- Etherswung Sphinx? Yeah. No. No. I I have it in my Rune Crab deck and I think I have it in my Sicarian Infiltrator deck. Okay. Uh, I, I can actually check really quick. Like Mox, Moxfield lets you 
If you're looking at the Your Decks page on Moxfield, yeah, there's a function see. where you can search for specific cards, and mm -hmm. it'll tell you which of yep. those that card is in. Nice. Uh, see, I don't know, because I really just want to go with Embiggen, just because I don't know completion that well. Uh, yeah, it is in it is in the exact two decks I mentioned: uh, the the Rune Crab and Sakarian Infiltrator. And uh, I mean, yeah, you would you would be totally fair to go with uh go with Embiggen. Yeah, but we got I it. Think it. There can only be one winner. There can only be one. Uh, oh, and Brad, all we want with the completion. Yeah, Dave, we're gonna uh, we're gonna need we'll you. Just... We're gonna need you to not abstain. You're gonna have to uh, abstain from abstaining. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, I want. I really want Embiggen to win this one because, <laughs> like, Tommy's, Tommy's completion was a surprise in a really tremendously feels bad way. Uh -huh. yeah, that is true. Like, that is a good point. Embiggen, Embiggen <laughs> was a surprise in a like in a very positive way. Positive so and entertaining. I'm giving it to Embiggen. Okay. Alrighty. Embiggen, the big old flea. He's getting a Yargle. Embiggen. All, All right. right. Who is taking the next category that we almost missed? I'll take the next one. Uh, so, right. so Brad, in his uh, excitement to get to the most surprising card, uh, accidentally missed the worst new common section. For those of you who might have been listening and wondered where that section went, here it is. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, worst new common. Dave, what do you think? What's the worst? What is the absolute worst common for 2022? There's a lot uh, of choices. There's a lot of choices. My favorite worst common is Cryptic Spires. Yep. That, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. It's, it's, um, <laughs> that might just win. This card does nothing. Do, do Brad and I even need to like... <laughs> like tell what our picks were because like i'll be honest well, I, I think was, i think to I be was... fair we have to put in we have to tell them what our nominees are but we don't need to make an argument <laughs> okay okay because because when i was picking from worst new commons i legit like i was like okay pick the worst two sets right that's infinity right and jumpstart because it just came out there was no time to digest it but also we you know the jumpstart review is fresh in my head and all the commons generally kind of sucked right there were a couple good ones but the vast majority of them generally kind of sucked. So yeah. I was just kind of going with like, I don't know, just you know, throw a dart at the board of Jumpstart 2022. I completely forgot about Cryptic Spires. I did too, until I read it in the show notes. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's it. That's yep. it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, do we even like, can I just change it? Like it's Cryptic Spires, right? That's an auto yargle. So, so for, for those of you listening at home, Cryptic Spires is a land that was released in Double Masters. It is the, the only original new card from Double Masters. Yep. It was in it every a, pack. A, it was in every pack. It was pack. in every pack. It is a land. It enters the battlefield tapped. And it has the ability, as you create your deck, circle two of the mana symbol colors below. And you can tap to add one mana of either of the circled colors. It's a build your own guild gate, yep. but it's not a it's, gate. It's, it's, a build it's just own, worse. It's a build your own tap land. Yeah. It's a build your own tapped yep. duel that doesn't have types. It's just <laughs> worse than everything. Oh. And, and if it wins a Yargle, I'm going to have to put it into a stupid deck for the sake of idiocy. <laughs> so please don't do this to me. What are the other nominees? <sighs> okay. Well, I, I don't think mine's mine's beating Cryptic Spire, but I picked, even though it is from an excellent set, I picked Lurking Green Dragon. I have cast this card so many times. Let's say I've cast, I've put Lurking Green Dragon on the battlefield 20 times. I've attacked with it twice. You know why? 
Because you can only attack when defending con- defending player controls a creature with flying. That sounds like it would happen a lot, but it doesn't happen as much as you want it to happen. <laughs> yeah. And when you're building a deck that is dragon tribal, and this is one of your only creatures on board for whatever reason, it is a very much a feels bad. Sure, you have a 4-4 blocker, but in dragon tribal or any sort of green aggressive deck, you don't want to waste a slot to a 4-4 that, for the most part, cannot attack. I'm over it. I, I even took it out of Thrakus, so, and that's, that, that's who cares about dragons. It's so disappointing. It's probably not technically not the worst common we got all year, but it's certainly one of the most disappointing. What about you, Liam? Uh, yeah, so mine was really easy. Uh, I Like I said, I looked at the jumpstart commons that were new because you know it was just fresh in my head. And the one that stood out was uh, Ossuary Rats. The uh, six mana 3-2 that when it enters the battlefield deals zero damage to target creature or planeswalker. <laughs> zero damage because it's an ETB effect that goes on the stack and your opponents just remove your graveyard in response to it so it does nothing. <sighs> yep, they sure do. This is a six mana 3-2. That's pretty much it. It's a six mana three two. Uh, there are no redeeming qualities on this. Like not even the fact that it's typed as a rat. It's it's bad. Um, yeah. So I'm going to stop talking about it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so uh, what what are we what are we thinking is the uh, Yorgo here? Well, go ahead, Dave. What, what's your pick of these three? <sighs> it's cryptic spires. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's Brad, the winner. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the spires. <laughs> it's it's the terrible spires. terrible spires. Amazing. Yes. Definitely the spires. Um, gosh, I, I'm I'm really upset that this had the common rarity and not the special rarity. Yeah, because <laughs> like, had they given it the special rarity, it wouldn't be legal in pop. It wouldn't be legal in PDH, and it would be the only card in existence that only exists as a special. Yep, but as it is, it's legal in Legacy, Vintage, Commander, and Pauper. <laughs> I I guess not the only one. You have the uh, Pied Piper and the. Uh, faceless one those are those only exist as special rarities but mm. cryptic spires would would join them and uh forever exist the in the void prismatic pipe yeah yeah you know, what a... I, you know what i meant yeah yeah all right i think we can move on to a more uh delightful category what do you think dave you want to take this one i would love to introduce our next uh topic yeah all right our next topic is uh most impactful set of 2022. We had some juicers. We went from Neon Dynasty to Streets of New Capenna to Commander's Legend, Baldur's Gate to uh, Dominaria United to Brothers War. So we have there's some there's some gasoline in this tank. Well, you can't. We have to choose. You can't forget Infinity and Warhammer releasing on the same weekend. I did. That is true. On the I same did. weekend. I I did forget both of those. Uh, yeah, Warhammer and Infinity also in this mix, uh, and we are our our task as the presenters and judges of the Yargles is to determine which of these sets was had the biggest impact on PDH. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's let me let me hear what what Liam has to say here. Yeah, uh, this is Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Not even close. Initiative and backgrounds are pretty wild. In addition to that, every card in the set, every time I read it, it's just like, wait, what? Uh, that was in that set? Or, you know, that that effect does what? Say that again? Like, I, I'm sorry, I, I must have misheard you. That sounds too good uh, to come from a set that everyone says is terrible and 
you know, I, that I've seen on fire sale over and over and over again. I, yeah. Commander Legends Baldur's Gate was gas for PDH. It was straight gas. I, I got to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the D&D theme, but like even then I can look past it and it's just still so good. So my pick's Baldur's Gate. How about you, Brad? What do you got? 100% Baldur's Gate. You're totally right. It is unparalleled how, how good that set was from the from the flavor to the rules text to the art it was all good and i'm like you too whenever i'm just kind of searching scryfall trying to get ideas for to fill out a deck or find this one effect or whatever and i land on a Baldur's gate card it's like wow i either forgot about this card or never knew it existed because i was so busy with the other you know 100 cards to play with out of this set so as far as most impactful it has for me it has to be Baldur's gate no questions dave what about you it's gotta be Baldur's Gate. Like this, <laughs> of of all of the sets that have ever uh, released that that brought us PDH cards, only one of them has just absolutely schismed the entire community. Yeah, by introducing common backgrounds and making everyone make mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, even even. Aside from like the the monster selection of crazy new cards and power, like in terms of impact on our community, nothing has nothing has had a bigger impact this year than common backgrounds and the uh, the 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 whole fallout from that whole situation. So yeah, I I got I mean, Neon Dynasty had great cards, New Capenna had great cards, Brothers War has great cards. Yeah. Uh, not nothing comes close to CLB. Yeah, but CLB was a whole great set. Yeah, it's just so, so hacked. Yeah, it it really is. You know what we should do? The next time the next time that Baldur's Gate goes on fire sale, someone should organize a PDH boxing league. Okay. I mean you're like guaranteed to make all your money back if you sell all the rares, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works, right? <laughs> I've I've got I've got a sealed box of Baldur's Gate in my on my shelf. I'm waiting for someone to come draft it with me. Ooh. And uh if boxes of it go on sale, I'm grabbing those as well. Yeah. I want to draft this over and over again. I, I love the draft environment. And like, it's not like I won't find a use for these cards. They go in everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the backgrounds too, it was like, those are, I mean, yes, they go in the command zone, but they're almost like commanders in of themselves. You know, it's, it's, they're like the partners, but they're, they're just different to me. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it because I, I didn't play a ton when the partners were new in PDH when it was a new thing. But backgrounds just feel like you can just mix and match all day long and just make deck after deck after deck and have a blast doing it. Yeah. CLB, the Yargle is yours. It'll meet you in the Undercity. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dark. It does sound dark. All right. Who is the next presenter? I guess Dave is, right? Oh, I think he did the... No, uh, no I just did. Oh, just yeah. did CLB. You just yeah. did CLB. So yeah, it's uh, Brad then. Oh, back to me. All right. This is a good one too. This is one we always look forward to as pauper players in those reprint sets. Uh, a little bit, you know, in standard sets. Not very often though. We are looking for the best reprint of 2022. And a little foreshadowing, a little spoiler. This may be the third consecutive slam dunk consensus pick here. Uh, but Dave, <laughs> you go first. What do you got? What's the best reprint in your mind? So I, I will I will preface this by saying that I was I was the third person to type my <laughs> my personal answers into the notes document. So 
going into this, I already knew what Brad and Liam had chosen, and uh, my my instinct was to just choose the exact same card that they chose. <laughs> but I've I've decided I think to deliberately misinterpret what I think best reprint means, so that I could have a different answer and then immediately pivot and agree with them after they present theirs Just so for we can controversy. build a little tension. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta pretend like we didn't orchestrate this whole thing behind the scenes. Um so if if we if we think that best reprint of the year means most powerful card that got reprinted, the answer's gotta be lightning bolt. It is it's been a ubiquitous part of Magic's history for thirty years. It is a powerhouse. I don't know it, how you can argue with that. It warps standard when it's in standard. Uh, when it's not in standard, people beg and cry for it to be in standard. <laughs> and uh, it got it got a really cool looking reprint in Commander Legends. It did. It got a couple different treatments, didn't it? Yeah, it got the it got the the parchment yeah, paper manual treatment, which, or storybook or whatever yeah, it is. Not storybook. I, I hate so many of those pieces of art, but Lightning Bolt is okay. Mm-hmm. That's a decent one. I like I like the. I like the the standard art it got in the CLB set, where it's it's a lightning bolt, like a, a top down view of a lightning bolt, like just tearing across like a bridge mm-hmm. towards a door, like that. I think that is the the cool art that I like on lightning bolt. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Speaking of reprints with art, Liam, what is your pick for best reprint of the year? Yeah. Uh. So I'm also going to deviate from what I've actually typed. Uh, because Uh-oh. I want Brad to be able to say it, and then I can just immediately agree with him. Uh, but I'll give my reasoning for the thing I actually typed. Uh, I'm I'm glad it got reprinted because it makes the card more affordable, uh, which is is really great because it was a a I don't know that it was a a much needed reprint. I don't know how much play it saw, but I don't know if the lack of play was due to the price tag it had. Um, yeah, I know I've I know I've definitely seen it more now that had a a recent reprint and is is much cheaper to get a hold of, um, and that could would be Deadly Dispute uh, got its uh, much needed reprint in Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Like I said, I was going to riot if this card did not get a reprint, and Scarecrow was betting against me on Twitter. He was, he like, was. He's like he's like he's yeah. like he's like Deadly Dispute's too new. They wouldn't know to put that card in the set. Um, and Deadly Less Dispute than a year later. Less than a year later, got its uh, much needed reprint. It's a uh, much more reasonable price. It's not five or six dollars like it was. It's now a dollar thirty, which is completely reasonable. And yeah, so uh, my my best reprint of the year is going to be a deadly deadly dispute. Uh, how about you, Brad? What do you think? It's a good choice. Well, uh, my choice is kind of similar to your reasons. You know, okay. it's a very I wouldn't say it's the most powerful card that they reprinted this year. It's a very good card, but I don't know if. It didn't see a lot of play because of the original price tag. Yeah. And it's also a black card, but this card is Darkness. It finally Darkness. saw a reprint in a common reprinting, which has always been common, but in the uh, 40k Commander decks. It's down to about $3. Sweet new art. Awesome card. I'm glad it's more widely available than it was previously. Um, the Legends version is still pushing about 15 to $20. That's okay. You don't need the Legends version. The new version works just as well. But price-wise, I am super... They could have put the same art on it from Legends. I wouldn't have cared. I am just glad that it saw a reprint. And it's much more affordable now. Because it's one of those cards that... It's not going to go into every single black deck that you make. It's not going to go into every deck that has swamps in it. But when you want 
a card that does what it does, you absolutely need that card. Yep. So, of the reprints this year, that is my choice for the best one. After it got reprinted, it went into my Yoggle deck. Oh, perfect. Because That's a great spot for it. Because let me tell you, Voltron decks, what they hate is when someone alpha swings at them. <laughs> and you've got one blocker. <laughs> maybe. You got one big old blocker. <laughs> you've, yep. you've got one blocker, maybe. So yeah, yep. that went straight in there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree. It. It's definitely darkness. It's got to be darkness. got to be darkness. Like, like I'm, I'm excited for new art on Lightning Bolt, but like, uh, I've, I've already got 20 Lightning Bolts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. What's one new art? Yeah. The the six more I opened in CLB packs doesn't affect me much, but like <laughs> having having new having new art on darkness that is more accessible and not aggressively terrible is pretty great. Yeah. yeah I totally agree. Alright, so darkness you win the best reprint of twenty twenty two. Yay for you. Alright. My turn for the yes, best sir. downshift. So this was I don't know that downshift was the, the correct best best rarity shift, right? Either a, a creature to uncommon, so it could be the commander, or a card to common, so it could go in the 99, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Best best shifting. Best rarity shifting. So it's now a playable card in our format. Dave, what was your pick? Me? <laughs> I choose go for the throat. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like my when I when I played the game... The standard issue black removal spell was called Terror, and it was from Alpha, and it was one in a black to kill any creature except artifact creatures or black creatures. Uh, th- this idea that artifact creatures and black creatures were, were were immune to fear was a common theme in in there, and they did a lot more of this, you know, color specific mm-hmm. uh, aggression in '93. The the card Terror. As 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 things got power crypt over the years, the, the card terror split into two different pieces. Uh, one piece is called Doom Blade, which is still a two mana instant, same cost, same card type, and it will destroy anything that's non-black. Mm-hmm. So Doom Blade can hit artifacts; it just can't kill black things. And it also split. The other half of this was Go for the Throat, which is still exact same, one in a black instant, destroy target creature that isn't an artifact. Mm-hmm. Because I guess artifacts don't have throats. And it has <laughs> always bothered me that one of these was common and the other was uncommon. Yes. Yeah. Because they're they're approximately similar in power level. And I, like I mentioned on the on the live stream that I, I, I appreciate it when things have a certain sense of parity to them. Sure. And it, it was it it annoyed me that this one didn't. And now for we have go for the throat. Too. That was that was troubling. For a long time. Yeah. Uh now we have go for the throat at a common. Um it got downshifted in the Warhammer 40k set. So right now, the only common printing of it is in the the pre-constructed 40k deck, which depicts a, a Space Marine getting absolutely ruined yeah, by ruined. a Necron monster, which I think is very cool. Um, and then they reprinted I, it again in the Brothers War at Uncommon. Right. <laughs> yeah, Brothers War. And like... I'm kind of weirdly not upset by that because I, <laughs> I love the art on the Brothers War version. Like, I'm glad that we got another new piece of art yeah, for this yeah, for sure. that doesn't just depict the the vampire thing from the original. Um, and the, the new the new Brothers War art is great. And also, uh, I feel like in draft sets, putting the really efficient removal spell at common at uncommon makes an amount of sense. Oh, for sure, and so limited, like, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah. For and like, so Brothers War is a limited set, and like. It, it's fine for it to be an uncommon there. This doesn't bother me at all. 
like making it a common in the pre-constructed commander set so that we have access to it but it's not going to mess up any limited formats i think that was a wise maneuver See, i'm on board with wizards doing that i can understand that argument but in brothers war destroying target non-artifact creature is significantly less of the creature population than you might think it's kind of like it's why true. it's kind of why like essence scatter gets printed in sets like Amonkhet, where you know it's it's going to counter the non aggro pieces so it's like go for the throat uh, like had go for the throat been in like dominaria united i would agree uncommon makes sense but i feel like it could have been at common and brothers war i really feel like it could have it probably could have been but like i i don't know enough about the limited to confidently say that so i'm i'm gonna i'm just gonna trust wizards on this one that's fair that is fair what do you got liam what is your best downshift yeah um mine is very similar to dave's uh Mine also came out of the 40k pre-constructed decks, uh, and this is a card that I've been... Sounds like those decks were good for our format. <laughs> they, they were they really were good. good. <laughs> and I've been, I've been waiting for a while, honestly, for this card to get a downshift. That card is Unstable Obelisk. So Unstable Obelisk is, is nothing terribly fancy. It's a uh, three-mana, colorless mana rock. It taps for colorless, and it has seven, tap, sacrifice, destroy, target, permanent. This is unconditional removal in colorless yes it's you know eight mana and sacrifices a mana rock right Mm -hmm. but i'm 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 a sucker for mana rocks that have late game utility yeah big time and that can make an impact and unstable obelisk does that and you know, it got printed originally in a commander set many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And then it just constantly got commander set reprints over and over and over. And I I was just waiting. I was waiting for the for the one time it got printed <laughs> at common in these commander sets. Uh and it finally did. It hit the Warhammer 40k ones, it got printed at common. And I was like, yes, thank goodness. Yeah, it got printed at common with new art. With new art, um, and I don't entirely hate it because it doesn't just scream Warhammer. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the the flavor text is is very clearly Warhammer, but the the art does not just scream Warhammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I'm I love the new art on it. I love the uh the the finally print, printing with a common set symbol. Uh, for for the you know, so it gets downshifted, but it's also not like an online printing, so we can have the uh the paper aesthetic, right? Hate mm-hmm. it when stuff gets downshifted only on online. Yeah, right. I'm just a sucker for a good mana rock. And, you know, if it wasn't Unstable Obelisk, it was probably going to be Meteorite. But Unstable Obelisk goes in goes in more decks than Meteorite does. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that one. Yep. And it's a pretty big boon to, to mono-colored decks in our format. Oh, it so. is. It's, it is so good in my Ornithopter deck. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> awesome. Uh, how about you, Brad? What do you got? What's your best downshift? Well, I don't think I don't think it would be a PDH pod episode if I didn't at least mention 60 card popper a little bit, a little bit. This downshift kind of set that format on fire for a good little bit too, for a noticeable amount of time. And this was this was a downshift people were asking for. Well, not asking for necessarily. They were debating whether or not this would be this card would be good at common in in popper. Would it be healthy for the format? Would it be good? It was a very decisive, divisive, yeah, divisive card. 
But I was always on the side of, yes, bring it to common, bring it to pauper. I want to play with it all the time. And that card is Monastery Swift Spear. It is for sure not super PDH relevant. But man, am I happy that it saw a common downshift. It is one of my favorite downshifts to common probably of all time. I just, I absolutely, absolutely love the card. I remember a little bit of draft I did during cons that era. I played with it uh, when I was in, when I played standard during that time, I played with it like any chance that I could play with it. I played with it. So I've always loved it. It's always been a favorite of mine and yeah, I, I'm super happy about it. I, I don't know if it's quote unquote the best. I don't know what, if it fits those or fits the criteria to be the best, but is by far my favorite downshift. Monastery Swift Spear is amusing, uh, like go for the throat. It got a common downshift and then immediately in Brothers War got upshifted again. Yeah, <laughs> right back up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it got a new, um, like a new showcase treatment in Double Masters as well, too. So that was pretty Yeah, it got the, the borderless. Yeah, and it's only 73 cents. It's killer. You, you know, Dave, I'm not Dave, uh, Brad, I'm I'm noticing a pattern here. You like Seeker of the mm-hmm. Way, you like Monastery Swift Spear. Uh, when are you going to be brewing Boros Monks? Oh. <sighs> That sounds amazing. I should with, do that. With prowess. They both have prowess, right? Yeah. I love prowess. Yeah. I, that's probably my favorite keyword. Lifelink and prowess. Oh, my God. Jeskai so prowess. Good. Jeskai monk prowess. Yeah. Every word of that sentence just got better and better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Which so downshift is getting the Yargle? I like Obelisk best. Uh, I think that it, it just goes in a lot of different decks. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I love Go for the Throat, and I'm glad we finally have it at common. But yeah, I think sort of like the mile high view, if you will, I think Unstable Obelisk is the better of these three as far as downshifts go. What's funny is I almost picked Go for the Throat instead of Obelisk. (laughs) If you had picked Go for the Throat, I would have picked Obelisk. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I whichever one you were doing, I was doing the other. Like those those are the two big ones for me. Those are the two big ones for me as well. And and like I yeah. said, like like once I got past Go for the Throat and Obelisk, it was like meteorite. Like mm-hmm, right. All right. All right. I think that wraps up the official quote unquote Yargles, the the best cards we have from twenty twenty two. Let's let's just do a really quick recap. Best new commander, Abdel Adrian. Best new common, Gaia's Gift. Worst new commander, containment construct. Worst new common crypt expires most surprising card embiggen most impactful set baldur's gate Mm -hmm. best reprint darkness from 40k best downshift unstable obelisk from 40k great thank you for that nice rundown thank you all right next up kind of move into the next little segment uh sort of our own personal yargles if you will we have some some different categories here with with just our our personal favorites not ones that we think were super important for the format or you know opened up all these different archetypes or you know whatever it's just things that we enjoyed of from this year from categories that we made up so i think that sounds pretty good what do you think i'm ready all right first up i'll throw it to y'all your personal favorite pdh pod episode Liam, what's your favorite? Uh, I think my favorite is definitely got to be episode 19, which was our wishlist episode. This is the episode where we talked about stuff that we wanted to see, you know, 
shifted to Papa, stuff we wanted to see in the format, uh, three reprints, you know, stuff like that. Uh, just to create a little bit of discourse, but also just to uh, talk sure. about <laughs> what what we want to see. I like it. It was that's, a good episode. I think it was a really good episode. What was your favorite episode? My favorite episode was the Staples one. Okay. Uh, partly because I really enjoyed delivering that rant. <laughs> and and then following that up immediately with talking about what what cards I thought were staples. Yes, like that was that was just a fun like. Here's why the idea of staples is useless. And anyway, here's what the staples are like. <laughs> that dichotomy is just really entertaining yeah. for me. I don't even know uh, if there was a because... breath taken in between. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, um, that that episode was, I think, the first time that I saw like people out in like the broader community start to like engage with it and like give me feedback and like yeah that go go from that episode to like talking to me about it on the discord and i was like this is amazing like people listened to this show yeah yeah it was a it very, was very exciting a very interactive episode yeah yeah people seem to like it quite a bit what what about you um i think i go back a little further than both of you i go back to episode 11 the very first three by three episode we did and it was on the voltron archetype uh killian was my choice I still play Killian to this day. It's great. I love that as a Voltron deck. And I love it because A, the series, those three by three and the and the one four by four with Scarecrow, they're a deep dive into decks, into deck building, a little bit of theory, deck building, that sort of thing. But also that Voltron episode sort of spawned a whole series of episodes. Mm. So, I mean, as the content creator slash, you know, podcaster in me that's great because that's free topics that's free content we know what we can do at any given time and b it's something that a lot of the fans can relate to you know they love these archetypes you know before we did the um the combo three by three i had multiple people ask when's the combo one when are you when yeah. are you doing the three by three on combo when's the combo when's the combo so just like the staples one i think that's something a lot of fans can relate to and yeah i love voltron i love killian so yeah it was my favorite one uh, speaking of things that spawned, Ooh. Uh, Liam, <laughs> yeah, remi remind me if you would be so kind. Which deck did you bring to the three by three Voltron episode? Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so why are we, we here today? <laughs> yeah, why are we here today? Uh, we were told to bring v Voltron Commandos to this episode, and <laughs> being the absolute nut job goofball I am, I was like. I'm going to bring the five mana nine three vanilla creature uh, that I legitimately yeah. have built as a Voltron commander and have had built for over a year and a half now. Naturally, and it is naturally. legitimately one of my favorite decks. And <laughs> yeah, it you know it's Yargle and yeah, here you know, we are. It's Yargle. And, it's and, Yargle. And, and Yargle, <laughs> you know, spawned Yargle spawned the whole idea of the Yargle deck in a three by three episode, right? Two, two decks that yes. are really, are yeah. really true to the theme. And then one that's like a little bit off, a little bit goofy that Out really, there. Yep. that embodies the spirit of the format, but it's also, you know, why we're here, like, you know, talking about yeah. what cards, you know, embody the format this year. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a little goofy and fun and it's different. Right. I love it. I feel like, I feel like if you hadn't brought the Yargles to that episode, I feel like things would have been very different. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, what what Excellent. a what a course of the future that that episode that <laughs> that deck that Yargle he paved. 
Now, now we got Yargle Awards. We got Yargle decks my, and three by threes. My co- my co-hosts and everyone listening is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the PDH Pod Discord, we have a Yargle emoji. Uh, yeah, we do. We have a, we, a golden Yargle emoji. Someone, yeah, I, yep. I, I was doing the Photoshop and I had the file like ready to go. Like someone was like, "How can we get a Yargle emoji?" And then. Brad was like, Bam. that's a good there idea. And then less than five minutes later, I had that file downloaded <laughs> into Discord. And I was like, here you go. <laughs> awesome. All you got to do is join our Patreon, ask for a cool feature, and I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, See how easy that is? Oh, okay. Who's the presenter? Who, who's, whose category is this? Personal favorite new card. That's probably mine. No, it should be Brad. Because Dave, Dave did episode, right? I don't remember. I don't, that was I don't remember. ages ago. Was ages Professional ago. podcasters. All right. That's right. Brad, go ahead. All right. <laughs> so next up, we have another personal favorite category. This one is personal favorite new card. Liam, you know, do you want to start out this time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll go ahead and continue. Uh, my personal favorite new card is going in my personal favorite deck and being my, my, my personal favorite deck being Yogel. Uh, it is only natural that my personal favorite new card goes into that, right? So it's- Oh, sure. It's a card that's it, that you know. I I was dissing on the set. It came in earlier, Jumpstart twenty twenty two. I was dissing on the set and all the new commons, but this is like the only good one that came out of it. Uh, it's it's a mana rock taps for black. Uh, it can it can be sacrificed for mana later. Uh, not not mana. It can be sacrificed for cards later. Jeez. For cards, yep. <laughs> and that is infernal idol. Um, this card is straight gas. Uh, like I was saying with the Unstable Obelisk, I'm a sucker for a good mana rock, even if that slot mm-hmm. is becoming clogged. With every, even though the mana rock slot is becoming more and more clogged with every single set that releases, um, I'm a sucker for a good mana rock. Uh, like, so it's a good in fun- one, too. In Funnel Idol, I'm here for it. Uh, that went str- like I, I haven't gotten one yet. I have a proxy uh, because I've not opened any Jumpstart yet. Uh, but yeah, I'll, probably end up, I'll probably end up buying one for my LGS because it's it's the only card I want from that whole set. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely like one of the two or three that I want. And it's it's you know it's got good art to boot. It doesn't have like a whole cycle, so there's no parity issues with it for using it in future decks. I just yeah. I'm in love. It's great. It's a good one. All right, I think I'll take the next one if you don't mind, Dave. Go for it. All right, my personal favorite new card of 2022. Surprise, surprise, came out of Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, and surprise, 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 it is Orzov. I. Absolutely am in love with Minthara Merciless Soul. It has been one of, if not my favorite commander to brew around, to actually play with. And it's Orzov. It's an elf cleric. It's like a, it's like this dark elf. It's just it it's amazing all over. It, basically, Minthara lets me play Orzov the way I like to play it, which is an aggressive mid-range package or strategy. And I love it. You can you can pack whatever you want to in there. If you want to pack in life gain or, you know, she kind of wants you to do a flicker package or a or an aristocrats package, if you'd rather do it that way, like she could helm so many different types of Orzov decks that you won't run out of options. And I I love that about her. So of every card that's been released this year, she is my favorite. What about you, Dave? You got a favorite? I do. This is a card that I I I actually honestly have some mixed feelings about uh, because I when, when she got when she got spoiled I was overjoyed. I I had the deck designed about an hour after I saw her, 
<laughs> gets spoiled. And I had most of it put together uh, before I went to the pre-release. So I, my, my goal was to go to the pre-release for Commander's Legends Baldur's Gate and try to come home with all the cards I needed to finish this deck. And I was pretty close. I think I was only missing one or two by the time the, the pre-release ended. So I, I was wildly enthusiastic about this deck from the beginning. And then I played a couple games with this deck, and it is honestly too strong it is so strong when when i i i am talking of course about rilsa rail the kingpin yeah uh she just runs away with games and fast getting, too like so fast <laughs> it is hard to slow her down mm -hmm. she the, the the constant value you get from having an initiative card in flicker colors you can you can get the initiative with any grave flicker spell with any uh, exile flicker spell and you have plenty of those in blue and black so you're, you can just constantly get the initiative over and over again and then like after you have it like it's not it's not like you have this deck that's for the initiative you have a deck that is for combat yeah in it in addition to all the benefits you get from the initiative she's going to give a creature plus five plus oh menace first strike and death touch you can attack with anything and it is a massive kick in the face. Plus five, plus oh, that's just absurd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like it's it's so hard to deal with because the the exact same suite of cards that you're using to generate value by going through the initiative over and over again is the same set of cards that you would use to protect your stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like someone tries to kill Rilsa, like either you have the Undying Malice and she dies and comes back immediately and gives you crazy value or she just dies and you cast her again from the command zone because that's she still gives you crazy value like you you get into these games with her where like your opponents are like there is nothing i can do to stop this and it's not fun <laughs> yeah and like i which is wild to me like i i i built this deck to be this goofy nonsense like let's party in the dungeon right. and see what happens <laughs> mm -hmm. and what happens is you steamroll everyone without ever stopping and it's like it's it's nuts so like from a design perspective real surreal absolutely my new fa my favorite new card of the year mm -hmm. uh with with the yamazakis in a close second place sure but yeah, the the deck I have for her is is in is in a weird state right now. I'm trying to find ways to like tone it down while still doing the dungeon exploration. I don't know if you can enjoyment stuff. Yeah, uh, we're we're working on it. I don't know if I can either, but we 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 will we will definitely make you it. You know, and that that plus five plus O she gives and first strike and menace that she's probably giving that to the creature that you just pulled out of the throne of the dead three that has plus three oh. you know, plus three plus three counters on it already. You mean you mean my. <laughs> 11 12 Eldrazi Devastator? <laughs> yeah, that, that that's one. the one? <laughs> yeah. That one? That's the yeah. one. That's crazy. Even if, you know, I've had I've had a a child of night from the throne yeah. of the dead 3 played against me. I'm like, well, sh there's a 4 4 lifelink. Oh wait, now it's a 9 4 first strike menace lifelink. 4 <laughs> Right. Like you just casually like <sighs> yeah, no, that she just runs away with the game. And like it's it feels so bad to like burn a removal spell on a child of night. Yeah. But like you have to. You have she to. makes everything mm -hmm. everything she does is such a high value, high impact play yep. that it it's it it just becomes really, really difficult to like keep up with what she's doing in any way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh love the design. 
and be, love you know, playing the deck. And because it's in blue and black, you're going to complete that first dungeon in half the time it takes other decks to do that. So oh yeah, you're going to you're going to flicker that. her once or twice. You're going to you're going to hit it on combat. You're going to hit it on your upkeep. God, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, she's she's berserk. So good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love her a lot. All right, Liam, I think you can take the um the last category of the year. All right. So the last category is the favorite deck that we've built this year. This does not necessarily have to be a, a 2022 commander, uh, but ideally when we picked this, a card from 2022 at least sparked our interest in building this commander. Uh, so with that, Brad, I'm going to pick on you first. Would you like to go? I am going to pick the deck I built for Cormella, which is actually, actually the deck uh, that I built for our three by three aristocrats episode it's my cormella the thief my aka threatened tribal if you will uh this is outside of like burn and life gain stealing people's crap is something i've always loved to do since (laughs) those cars were first printed way back in the day like they've never been super good you know they usually print one of them in every draft set just because it's like Here's a threat and effect with the set mechanic on it. You get a power stone or you get treasures or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've always loved that strategy. Uh, Cormella herself is so cool. You know, she's a thief, so that fits right along with the flavor. You know, in uh, I actually looked into it for something I was doing with this deck. And the word Grixis actually means traitor. So that's perfect with all these threat and effects because there's like traitor's instinct, mutiny, all this kind of crazy stuff. So I know we have a few options for grixis but for the type of deck that i wanted to build this this threatened type deck cormella just hit the mark for me it's perfect it's probably the most flavorful deck i've ever built and i'm so happy with it it's so bad it, it's it's not a great deck but i'll probably never take it apart just because of the flavor and i'm working on sort of like blinging out some of the pieces so it looks fancy because she's like this fancy art thief or whatever so i don't know that that's my favorite deck of the year mainly because of flavor and it sort of hits those um nostalgia buttons for me as well yeah it's a good choice i like that one what do you got dave i'm gonna i'm gonna repeat myself a bit here because this is a this is a a question that i got asked in the live stream last week and i talked about this deck a lot there so if you listen to that you're gonna hear me repeat myself a little bit Mm -hmm. i think my favorite deck that i've built this year is is definitely just alora the merry thief plus Dragon Cultist. Again, with the Yamazakis in a very close second. Alora is just... like Alora, I think, hedges out the Yamazakis just because it's such a, a goofy idea that feels like it shouldn't work, but like PDH <laughs> is the perfect storm of like weird nonsense actually coming together in a, in a goofy way to make this work. Like mm-hmm. This is a... I, I just love the idea, n- not only of getting value out of an arc runner but getting repeated value out of an like it's not just you get the value out of your arc runner and then it's done and it goes away yeah but like you can you can get that value out of an arc runner over and over and over again which is like the funniest thing in the world to me (laughs) like i when i years and years ago i had this so this was 2001 Mm -hmm. in 2001 i built a uh Maybe it was 2002. It was after Onslaught. So after Onslaught got printed, I built a deck that was like four Ball Lightnings, four <laughs> Blistering Firecats, 
And then I, you know, when Mirrodin came out, I put four spark elementals in it, and it was just that and like reckless abandons and lightning bolts, and that was the, the entire deck. Beautiful. And so like this this idea of these creatures that just yeet themselves at, like the the burn spells that are secretly creatures. Yes. Yeah. Like they've always had a very special place in my heart, and like partnering those with blue to recycle them and get dragons out of it feels stupid feels but it works <laughs> real like, stupid <laughs> and, the, and then like awesome. there's there's so many terrible cards that just, that just makes become viable in this deck like uh keldon marauders mm -hmm. is a two mana three three with vanishing one that deals one damage when it enters or leaves the battlefield right and if you are if you're having it enter and leave the battlefield every turn like all this needs is boots of speed and now you're attacking with it you're, you're casting it it has haste you get your it, you get your etb trigger you get your one free attack with it and then you put it back in your hand and you deal another damage yep. it's this this is six damage a turn and a dragon and you get your dragon for three mana yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and individually every single one of these cards is garbage like this isn't this isn't the flicker combo where like yeah flicker's a great card and it becomes <laughs> even better with these circumstances no like Calden marauders is a garbage card for garbage people <laughs> but, but i'm a garbage person and i made it work hey, and i'm, I'm just so it. like like unbelievably proud of this thing that like barely came together into something that's like vaguely kind of functional and like that uh just Feels real good to me. Oh, it's hilarious. Can't get enough I, I, of it. I'm glad the Dragon Cultus has found a home. Like I, I've been trying to brew with that card, and yeah. it is surprisingly difficult if you're not just on like a straight up each player takes damage burn deck sort of thing. Yeah, it is a sweet deck. I'm very impressed. I I love it. Yeah. All right, Liam. What did you uh What did you build this year that you absolutely fell in love with? Yeah. Um. So I had a couple cards this year kind of spark my interest in finally getting around to like actually building this thing. I have an Ornithopter Voltron deck. Ornithopter is my favorite card of all time. If if you don't know that already, now you do. Now you know. Yeah, Ornithopter is like my favorite card of all time. There's a whole thing about it, about me getting into magic with it. And there's a couple things that really sparked my interest in building it. The land base this year got a couple uh, really, really key additions to it. It got Crystal Grotto and Takeja's Dig Site. Mm -hmm. It had some gate stuff like Basilisk Gate and Heap Gate get added to it. Uh just getting some more effects into the into the land base because colorless spells are hard to hard to come by. So you really need some your your lands to do some work for you. But the card that really like push it over the edge actually came in Commander Legends uh Baldur's Gate. That's Trailblazer's Torch. This deck mm. this deck is a <laughs> is a Voltron deck, which means it focuses on the equipment because it's colorless. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and Trailblazer's Torch gives the initiative. It it enters the initiative into the game. Yeah. And oh boy, it's it's a trip. <laughs> uh it it you know, once once you have your initiative and you got your big beefy ornithopter blocker, um you know, it doesn't matter if someone else takes it from you because you'll just take it right back. Yeah. And That's what I love about Voltron. Yeah. Especially I, flying Voltron. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm I'm in love with this deck and where it's going. It's absolutely awful. It needs more card draw, but that's you know problems for me to figure out and work out. But I you know I'm glad that this deck is now finally buildable. It's not very good, but it is finally buildable after this year, and I'm excited yep. to see where uh, 2023 takes us. Yeah, I am too. Because you know they're not going to stop with the artifacts oh, no. and the equipments and all this other oh, crazy no, stuff. Not. 
<laughs> maybe we'll get colorless auras. Oh, uh, maybe. Ooh. All right. Well, did either of you have anything to add to the personal favorites list? I know we're going to give a few shout outs here at the end, but no, I'm I'm good. Are are we are we going to give a yargle to the best uh, PDH content for the the year? Like, is are we are we should should we should we give shout outs to um House of Commons and uh, I think the, we should. the tremendous work they do and and uh, the common connoisseurs as well. We we got we got Clay and Ryan over at the Common Connoisseurs kicking ass. Make kicking ass. They they they're putting out YouTube videos at frankly an alarming rate. It is I, alarming. <laughs> I, I I worry about their sleep. Like we yeah. Liam opened up this episode by telling us that his plan for the break was to sleep, which I support and endorse wholeheartedly. 100%. And like I want. I want that for Clay and Ryan as well. Like they deserve rest in their lives, and like I just don't know if that's a thing they do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. Check out their stuff. Give them some love, and then and then House of House of Commons is a the, the podcast that's uh, very very keyed in on competitive PDH. Mm-hmm. They do magnificent work. We we sometimes borrow their their hosts. Start beef every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I I I love their stuff. I love listening to them talk. Jules and Chev. Tremendous podcasters, incredible people, uh, yep. excellent conversationalists. Yep we we got the pals. We got we got the some PDH pals. Yeah, big thanks to the pals for everything that they have helped us out this year. It, everything from the podcast to Twitter to just being a they're like a force in the format, but like a positive, entertaining force. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain the, the the pals. If you don't know them, go check them out. Go check out their videos, their streams, all that good stuff. They they are they take it to a whole different level. I I was so keyed in on this idea of new things in 2022, so we can give away yargles. Like I I didn't even think of the pals. Like the pals the pals have been in this game for so long. Yeah, like, like I for sure. Yeah, they are. Uh, they definitely didn't start but, uh, in 2022, they, but they they deserve some yargles though. They do. They need they need some yargles. Think, yeah, we got we got ne- next year. Next year we'll do a yargle for the the best pal, and we'll <gasps> we we'll make them we'll make we'll them come onto the show other. and explain to us why each of them deserves the <laughs> yargle. Look, look, we this is we didn't do the best Patreon because that would be too polarizing, and now you want to do the best pal. Best pal. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, he's he does. He's he's serious about it. I I do. Oh my All goodness. Right, well. And I don't think they'll say no. No, probably not. Oh. All right, give a couple last shout outs here. I want to give a big shout out, obviously, to the fans if you're listening to this now. Big thanks. Twenty twenty two. Granted we did well when did we start? June ish? I don't think our Discord goes back that far. May. We started in May, early May. And it's been wild ever since. Like, I can't believe we're already at Christmas time. This has been great. I am super, me personally, I'm super appreciative of all the fans, the listeners, the patrons, everyone who interacts with me on Twitter that even mentions Popper Commander to me. I'm super appreciative of it. And then Dave and Liam, love you guys. You went on this weird pet project journey of mine to create what we have now. And so far, so good. I think we're having a good time. We've come up with some good topics, some good conversation. We've had great guests on. It's been pretty much a, a pretty entertaining ride for me the last six or so months. So, uh, And I also wanted to give a big shout out to Lobert, who just is frankly kicking butt on those YouTube videos. Uh, he's, he's on the streams every Monday night playing some paper PDH and just an all-around great popper brewer, popper player, 
uh, great personality. So uh, personality for the format. So uh, check them out as well. And then, I don't know, Dave, Liam, did you have anything else for us for the show? I love watching Lobbers games. I do he too. such a good job. He yeah, such good decks. Honestly, like there's, there's very little gameplay that I can tolerate listening to or watching, but that is... That is one of them that I I really enjoy the the voiceover that he does to the sped up gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does high quality work. Yeah, it really is. It's very um, I don't want to say innovative, but like a lot of gameplay videos, you load them up and it's like three and a half hours, and you yeah. know that's what these games were, but now they're like twelve minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's it's very cool, and they're, and they're gaining popularity. Every video gets more views than the last, so. Sure. They've been very popular, and we don't really have any plans on stopping. In fact, I just uploaded a whole bunch of videos to the Google Drive um, last week. I filled it up. I couldn't fit any more in there, so he'll have his pick. But I think that's about it. Uh, we're going to move into the outro here, but just a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. As always, if you need any more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format or you have have your own picks for some Yargles, you can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com or head on over to the PDH Homebase's website or Discord server. Or you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B. As always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. Well, all right. As this week's episode of the PDH pod comes to a close, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, pick your own favorites to give a yargle to, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See you.